I'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. The Wrestling Life. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 247. It's October 8, 2020. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we actually have so much to talk about this week. And as always, so many things we can't talk about. Right here, we're back, baby. The first and only wrestling podcast. That's right. So we haven't done a show in, like, three weeks. And it's just... Life is hard anyway. And then, <laughs> it's just really hard, man. And then yeah. you, take, you throw a global pandemic in, in there, and, uh, you know, both having uh, jobs that require a lot... <laughs> At various hours, and it's freaking G1 month. Like, forget about it. We just have no chance. <laughs> I say there's very little, there's very few hours of this month where you and I are both conscious and free to do a podcast for an hour. So, right. uh, we you know we may be conscious at the same time sometimes, <laughs> but not free. We might both be free sometimes, but one of us isn't conscious. Like a lot of th- you know, it's hard to it's hard to get the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, stars to align, as it were. That's right. But here we are, and uh, thank you for editing, so that we can do the show this week. Because as it. soon as we're done recording this, I'm gonna go walk the dog. Then after I walk the dog, I'm gonna edit three videos for the Wrestling Observer YouTube channel. Then after that, I'm gonna write my post for tomorrow morning's Wrestling Observer uh, AEW Dynamite highlight package post thing. And then immediately after that, I'm gonna do a live G1 show. And then I'm going to die, so <laughs> I'll be well, dead tomorrow. Appreciate you spending your, your last hours with uh, uh, with me and with the listener. Yeah, so this is going to be, I mean, we titled the last episode Free Flowing because there wasn't a whole lot of direction to the conversation. It was just, <laughs> hey, this is going on, this is what's going on in wrestling. Uh, we have been uh, talking also for 20 minutes before we began recording here tonight, so maybe some of the... Uh, rabbit trails that I tend to unfortunately lead us down won't happen here. Uh, let's just big picture this. Brought up G1 briefly. Uh, I don't think this G1 is touching last year in terms of match quality or anything, but um, the shows are generally very palatable. How much uh, New Japan are you watching these days? Uh, I haven't seen a ton, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but what I have caught has been, it has reaffirmed to me that Especially maybe because they're they get to have shows with fans, <laughs> like yeah, um, and they they still have a lot of the best wrestlers in the world, and they're still putting on very good shows. I agree that this isn't necessarily we're not getting the you know a match of the year candidate every night this year. It appears at least not from what I've seen, but you're you're still getting some some good well-rounded performances from from a lot of guys. Like I. I I've enjoyed what I've watched. I don't, I don't have a, a strong feeling other than that. Uh, uh, of course, my man's Tai Chi is uh, is clearly the MVP of the whole thing. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree. He sang to Jay White. <laughs> he serenaded him. They had a very fun. See, the best part of G1, other than like the three minute Yano comedy matches, mm-hmm. the best part are the heel versus heel battles. You know, if they're in the same faction, sometimes it can get a little weird. 
but you get those matches where everybody's just trying to out-heal one another. Tremendous. Mm-hmm. Tremendous stuff. Jay White and Taichi. Uh, Taichi, an example of that. Yeah, I, I like... That's... I mean... Again, you you'll get your you know your your all time Matt classics when you have an a uh, you know an, an Okada match or something in there an Okada Jay White match with your classic dynamic. But yeah, when you can mix up the the good guy versus good guy or bad guy versus bad guy matches, it really it does it does give it a, a fresh coat of paint, and it's something that New Japan is pretty good about staying away from for a lot of the year. Obviously, around around Wrestle Kingdom time, you'll generally you know who who is you know what alignment they have is less important, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's been fun. Like I said, it's, it's fun. When, when I, again, when I turn the shows on, which again, is not every night, but when I watch it, I'm like, this is an easy to watch show. It's fun. There's good wrestling. And it's almost like a little less daunting this year when I don't have people, uh, or I'm not reading every night. Well, that might be the new best match of the tournament. No, that was the new best match of the tournament. There were three match of the year candidates on one show. And you're like, then it starts to feel like homework at a certain point. And you're like, oh my god, I gotta, I got so much to watch. You know, I, I feel a little less pressure, and I can kind of pick and choose what I what I like to watch a little bit more this year. That makes sense. Yeah, I'd say yeah, maybe we're like, uh, I think after tonight we'll be two thirds of the way through, and I think you probably have, you know, maybe three legit matches that are like, oh my goodness, you need to go out of your way to see. Like uh, other than that, there's like there's a lot of good. Mm-hmm. nothing like earth chattering so that's good times um wwe boy there's a lot going on there <laughs> we've had uh, a COVID outbreak since the last time we did a show um mm-hmm. a- aew had a COVID outbreak as well um i don't think we're allowed to talk like it, nobody ever like got to the bottom of anything because everything is just sunshine and rainbows uh, in AEW, that's and right. No bad news ever seems to get reported out of there. Isn't that weird? The first ever uh, wrestling startup with uh, no drama, no, yep, no problems. Everybody loves each other. Everyone's best friends. Yep, and they all have the same vision for what they want their show to be, and yep. nothing wrong ever happens. Yep. So actually, I, I so I brought up WWE, but actually I think I want to talk about AEW real quick. And I guess specific, <laughs> specifically, I want to talk about pan, the pandemic. I don't know who in AEW has COVID or had COVID, aside from Lance Archer, who stated that he publicly said that he had COVID, mm-hmm. and Brian Cage tweeted about feeling sick, and then was not on an episode of Dynamite that he should have been on. <laughs> and even that, I don't know that Brian Cage had COVID, but why for two weeks on Dynamite and on being the elite, did they pretend that Nick Jackson was in Jacksonville when Nick Jackson was clearly not in Jacksonville? <laughs> it's a great question, and it doesn't make a lot of sense because obviously again things happen and again and like we've said as long as you're not doing a bubble we've seen this in other sports we've seen this on movie sets like it's this outbreaks are going to happen and if you're going to trudge along and do this that's gonna be part of this and 
you need as a company need to be able to own that and go, hey, if this happens, we quarantine everybody, we send them home, and you know, and obviously, look, if if people don't want to have it put out in the public that they have it, that's between them and their doctor or whatever. Right. But when, again, to your point, if you just want to say they're at home or whatever, make up make up a reason. It's a fa- it's a fake show. Yeah. Say he misses flight. Say the dastardly uh, FTR uh, cancel this flight. Like hacked into his. Uh, <laughs> Hacked into his uh, U.S. Airways account and canceled his flight, and so yeah, only sure. Matt made it to you. like make up a reason why he's not there. Uh, yeah. You know, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to say it's because he had COVID or because he's quarantined because he was around someone who had COVID. Whatever the reasoning, if if they don't want to say that, but yeah, it was just that was bizarre. <laughs> like it was such a weird decision to just pretend he was there. It was like it was just this weird. Like, to the point where I'm like, is this a bit the first week when Tony Giovanni's like, oh, hey, hey, Nick, I see you back clearly in that dressing room. And it's like, <laughs> what, what, what are they doing? Like, I thought, like, I was waiting for the punchline of the sketch, and the sketch never had a punchline. Yeah. So either they think that we're idiots, or they're, like, so deep and so funny that they're doing a bit, and as a weekly viewer being the elite. I don't think it's the latter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's the former. I think they think we're dumb. Okay. Again, I, I just, but when you have multiple, you know, big time main event characters on your show, a guy who's about to get a world title match and whatever, and you're, they either choose publicly to say they have it, or you make it clear they're off TV because of this reason. Uh, like, when John Moxley's wife had it and he had to quarantine for two weeks, they were clear as that's why. Um, and again, if you don't, if you don't want to get that specific with it, you could always make something up, but the, <laughs> it's just a weird decision to pretend someone's there. It's, I can't, I can't, I can't let it go. I'll never <laughs> be able to let it go. Well, uh, so AEW had their, um, 30 years of Jericho show this week. Cody got the TNT title back. They have a big uh, anniversary show on their 54th week of Dynamite next next week. <laughs> it's fu- it, like, what do they do? What do they do wrong? Mm, they somehow manage to make a mistake in everything they do. Like doing an anniversary show on the 54th week of the promotion. But... Um, <laughs> AEW has been plugging along. I didn't think they had a particularly strong in-ring show this week. Uh, And they've kind of been in this stretch where because of people not being there for quarantine reasons or pandemic reasons or unknown reasons, (laughs) there have been a few weird shows in a row. Uh, How are you feeling about their direction right now? They're about a month out from their next pay-per-view. Yeah, I think it's... And this doesn't just happen with them, but it's like when you're doing when you're promoting two things at the same time, you're promoting this big anniversary show, but also building up for the pay per view. I think that always makes the shows feel a little disjointed. Yeah. Um, so you're obviously, I mean, they announced a tournament for the world title, and the winner is getting a shot at the pay per view. Is that right? Uh, or the finals are at the pay per view. The finals are at the pay per view. Okay. Okay. That was not clear to me. 
but again, I'll bl- you, I'll take the blame on that one. I'll say I was I was just not paying <laughs> close enough attention. No, um, I I watch the show every week. I write about the show every week. I write two thousand words on the show every week, and I had to think about it. <laughs> okay, all right, that makes me feel a little bit better then. But so yeah, they they're doing a world title tournament. They I felt like they were getting some steam behind the best friends for a match with FTR and then they're doing the title match on TV. I suppose they could do like the 20 minute draw and then set up a rematch with with them on the pay-per-view or you could pull the trigger on this Young Bucks match but the way uh, the Young Bucks thing has been going it doesn't feel like that match is in you know imminent to me. I don't I don't feel like I don't feel like the fans, even your most hardcore AEW fans, uh, would be. This doesn't feel like, oh, they're at a fever pitch. Like we gotta see this Bucks yeah. FTR dream match right now. So it feels like maybe they should hold off on that a little while longer. Yeah, it feels like they're maybe waiting for for fans to go to come back like in droves. Yeah, which I mean, hey, it's Florida, um, so <laughs> probably could. Could have filled it up tonight if they wanted to. Um, <laughs> yeah, like they they announced full crowds for something in Florida today. I forget what it was. Do you the remember? Governor, the governor said that the Miami Dolphins were cleared to have sixty five thousand people in their stadium. Uh, Dolphins said yes. The Dolphins <laughs> said they're keeping it to thirteen thousand because <laughs> you don't want to kill sixty five thousand people. We just want to kill like ten thousand. You know. Um, there you go. But yeah, that's that's, that's uh yeah. So I I I I guess yeah maybe they're waiting holding off on that. So I guess that's that's to me is what has felt disjointed. They've it seems like they're continuing the Eddie Kingston and John Moxley thing. So I guess maybe Moxley beats Lance Archer next week and then you re you jumpstart the Eddie Kingston stuff again, um, which I'm fine with because I. Uh, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston cutting promos on each other every week sounds like a whole heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, Eddie Kingston uh, talking is uh, is tremendous. Like his work is whatever it you know a thirty nine year old guy who's beat up and has worked a hard brawling style for years mm-hmm. <laughs> is, but his talking, he. Well, yeah, and I was thinking about that. It was like even if if they don't want to long term go with him, like. Let him just talk for Pentagon and let Pentagon be like one of your top guys or Phoenix or, you know, or pick somebody and let him let him be the the talker for them. Uh, you know, let him be the, the MVP of uh, of this group and just let him talk up the 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 guys who can still go. But, yeah, that, that sounds like fun. Overall, like I said, I think the shows are mostly fine. I, I thought the dog collar match was a great bloody brawl. Um, and I, I like, I thought that was, I, I don't know that like that feud felt like it was ready for <laughs> this big giant bloody brawl because obviously, I mean, like it's, it's, it feels like a whirlwind where Cody got beaten five minutes and then he right. left TV. And I know like they beat him up and they like took him off the shredder and they beat up Arn and uh, Anna Jay. And, and Brandy had their thing. So I guess it has been building. And then in the meantime, like Brody beat Dustin and whatever. So I guess it has been, it's been like eight weeks or whatever, but I don't know, maybe just because all these COVID shows kind of start to run together at some point, just felt like maybe we needed one more like regular match between them. Maybe, the, and maybe 
you do the dreaded count out or DQ, and then you and then Cody demands the the dog collar match. I think that was the other thing too was the heel demanding the match <laughs> where they where they can't be separated. Which I, I get it. Bert, Birdie Lee's this crazy monster. He's not your your typical heel who begs off and runs away, but. I I don't know. Like I said, I the, the end result was was I thought quite quite good, and I thought Cody's promo was was great, and I I hope they're sincere in not turning him because look you there's so there's so much time there's so much time to turn people heel, but there aren't a lot of guys who have the connection with their audience that Cody has with AEW's audience, and I would not squander that just. Just because. <laughs> Just because Kenny has already turned heel, the Bucks are turning heel. <laughs> Just because everyone wants to be heel now. Right. Like don't and like don't just don't do it. Like <laughs> there's so much time. There's many many years to come where Cody can be a heel. I'm sure. But right now, people love him. He, he is a you know he's a good sincere white meat baby face. And like, just keep it that way, man. I mean, get rid of Arn Anderson, please. But anything else, like, I don't have a problem with Arn Anderson. I just <laughs> that stupid play sheet. I hate it. It's so dumb. It's pretty bad. It is pretty bad. I just, I like it. I like the drive-by on an innocent bystander. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, I'm giving. It's called. It's a compliment sandwich. I, I like Cody. I hate his manager, and I like his promo. So sure. <laughs> there's there's a nice compliment sandwich for for Cody on Dynamite. Like yeah, so I think the shows continue to be what they are, which is disjointed, and four or five people with different visions on what wrestling should be are in, all in charge and get to book their own stuff. Yeah, and you uh the result is a show where you have a 1980s NWO blood brawl, uh, NWA blood brawl on the same show. You have uh, Jericho wrestling Luther and doing, you know, doing WWE slow burn comedy with MJF and, uh, and stuff. And, and also whatever, yeah, the, the grown men in their feelings with Kenny and Kenny and the (laughs) hangman. And, And yes, and the Bucks are Bucks are, are bad guys now. And uh, yeah, and it's just some two people from the women's division, and we're going to send them out there at nine thirty, and have them have a nineteen ninety nine WWF women's division match. <laughs> you got two minutes, and the crowd just watched a twenty five minute uh, bloody brawl. Good luck. Yep, and we're going to put a commercial break in the middle of the match too. <laughs> yep. Yep. Great idea. Wonder. I just. It feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy to go. Why aren't there more women on the show? Well, the women aren't over. People t- tune out when they're not in there. Well, why aren't? Why don't? Why do they tune out? Well, they aren't stars. Why aren't they stars? Because they're never on TV. You know, like it's just a whole thing. And again, AEW not the only promotion who runs into this sort of circular logic, but right. with their women's division, I think it is. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy to go we don't have any stars in the women's division so we don't book them on tv a lot but also they're not stars because they're not on tv you know yeah a thousand percent we don't have time that's another one we don't have time (laughs) when they get that second show (laughs) 
late night dynamite's going to be a thing. I'm telling you, it's sooner than later. It's going to be. A Can't thing. wait. I can. I I hope AEW succeeds. I just don't hear anyone else with any kind of platform talking about all these, to me, glaring issues <laughs> with the product every week. There's a lot yeah. of good there. The in-ring is good. Uh, often, very often, it's very, very good. Uh, but there are these glaring issues. Yeah, and I think that's, I don't know if that's, you know, I'd get up on the soapbox of the culture wars or whatever, but it's it's hard to talk about anything on the internet and say what you just said, which is that there is good things on the show. Uh, like I said, we both just complimented Cody's promo, I think, or I know you complimented it in your in your report, certainly on WrestlingObserver.com. Um, there's things to like. The in-ring is can be very good. That being said, to point out that, yes, sometimes the shows feel very disjointed. Yes, sometimes there seems to be very weird decisions being made by management. Yes, they don't seem to have a much many priorities when it comes to booking a women's division. Like These are all things. They can all be true, guys. We don't have to right. go, these three things, so AEW is all bad, or these three things, AEW is all good. Like It's just, it's a, it's a company run by the son of a billionaire with a lot of interesting opinionated people in charge. And maybe those views don't always mesh. And maybe they have a lot of production people who, who used to work for other companies that were bad at producing <laughs> professional wrestling. And, uh, <laughs> and maybe that's okay to point that out while still complimenting the things you do like. Maybe we, maybe we can do both. I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, WWE, as I brought up like 20 minutes ago, sorry. Uh, <laughs> WWE, the best thing by a mile in that company right now and is Roman Reigns. And I think this is by far the most interesting conversation we can have is about Roman Reigns, what it could be leading to. We had this conversation a little bit offline. Um, Roman Reigns, the tribal chief, with Paul Heyman as his mouthpiece tremendous act best thing they've done in forever if they were doing this in front of crowds he would be getting cheered wildly <laughs> <laughs> because he's a cool badass who backs up what he says he's going to do um i don't know maybe fans would boo i don't think they would uh i just think this, it's the best thing they've ever done with him uh since the shield at least um it's the best thing in the company right now. I mean, I like the Hurt Business too, but I don't like the mm -hmm. Hurt Business. I don't like the Hurt Business in five segments every hour. <laughs> I don't like seeing them beat Ricochet 12 <laughs> times a show. <laughs> they beat Ricochet, uh, Apollo Crews, and uh, try to, oh, well, for weeks it was Cedric, you know, to yes. surround, surround out the trio there. Uh, but then Cedric turned, so... Right, and then it looked like it was going to be Ali, but now he's uh, moved on to other things as well. So we need yeah, to get a new third, third guy for the Hurt Business to beat up. Yeah, so Roman's the best thing in the company by mile. He and Jey Uso had a good match on the last pay-per-view. They're going to wrestle in a cell now because we just do rematches whether the challenger wins or loses. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's kind of the theme of uh, the show. I, it seems it's just we just we just do some rematches. Drew, Drew has beaten Randy Orton every single time they've wrestled. I guess except Rain, uh, Drew got pinned by Randy in a tag this week on Raw, which is like the only job I can remember Drew doing in like six months. But uh, I think it's might- literally the first time he's been pinned all year. Like maybe since before he won the Rumble. Yeah. Yeah, he did like uh, I don't want to say stretcher job, but they they like ended a show with Lashley putting him in a full Nelson or something. Yeah, <laughs> but that like they have been very careful not even to like show him showing weakness in any way, shape, or form. But anyway, regardless, uh, Drew has won every title match with Randy, and Randy's getting a third shot. Um, Jey Uso lost in convincing fashion to Roman Reigns. He's getting a shot in a cell. But the Roman stuff, aside from the illogic of a rematch, really, really good. And, of course, the question in everyone's mind, is it leading to a match with The Rock? Yeah, well, that's where your mind would go, right? When they're coming down so hard on the chief thing. Mm-hmm. When they keep talking and they're uh, you know, referencing the whole Anuai family and they... The video package had, you know, testimonials from uh, Rikishi and Roman's father and uncle and and you know, and obviously, uh, the, you know, The Rock is part of that crew too. So that would be the obvious thing you would think if they're if they're doing this. Now, there's always the question of because there used to be rules about booking things when they didn't know if they had the match yet, they wouldn't do it. Right. But now, now I feel like maybe they're just gonna do this, and <laughs> if they can get Dwayne, great. And if not, they'll just they'll either drop it or they'll just you know make him a t-shirt, and <laughs> a tribal chief, and it'll just become one of his nicknames. Like, right? Yeah, yeah. I I guess we were we were kind of batting this back and forth about whether or not we thought The Rock would would do this match. Um, one, does he have interest in doing the match? Two, would he do this match in front of no crowd? Uh, I guess the plan is they're not going to run L.A. Uh, for WrestleMania uh, in 2021. They're going to go back to Tampa, or they're going to go to Tampa. and Full house, baby. Or, we don't know. Right now, maybe 13,000. <laughs> um, but... My take, and this is, I, I don't know anything, obviously. I I did not think that no fans would be a barrier to The Rock, but you seem to think otherwise, and Dave Meltzer wrote in The Observer, and he's pretty friendly with The Rock. Same. That, <laughs> yeah, he wrote that uh, he didn't think that The Rock would do the match without fans. So, I guess you're right. Um, I mean, yeah, like, I, I, I guess it would depend on like what he would do the match for. If The Rock is coming back to do a retirement match, um, if he's coming back for the express purpose of putting his cousin over, or if it's to plug a movie, like, there's a lot of things that I feel like go into when Dwayne chooses to come back to wrestling. Yep. Um, you know, depending on what he has to sell or yep. what he what he's got going on in his life. Yep. Uh, 
So I think that would probably factor into it more than... But my thought is, the thing to me that I think he, he loves about wrestling when he goes back is arenas full of people chanting his name. <laughs> and if it's 9,000 people in a 60,000-seat building, I don't know if I see... I My thought was, like, I just can't imagine what could be and would pop quite possibly be Dwayne Johnson's final ever wrestling match taking place in anything other than a packed arena with or a packed stadium with, you know, a fake number announced as 80,000 people or whatever. Like, I just, I don't, I like, I can't picture it again, unless he's doing it for other reasons. Um, but if he's doing this as his last hurrah in wrestling, I feel like he would want the crowd there for that. Again, this is me trying to psychoanalyze a man that I'm not, not <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know that the person Dwayne Johnson exists anymore. Like I'm not, I'm not so confident. He hasn't just been replaced by like a, a smiling PR robot at this point. <laughs> it, it's, it's really funny. Like the, when we were having this discussion offline, I was like, well, one, I, yes, I believe that he is that The Rock is very calculated in every single thing that he does, and to the point that when he comes back to wrestling and he does he does a deal with Rusev and Lana, it's because he wanted to work with Lana or he, or his agent wanted to sign Lana. When mm-hmm. he he came back on and did the thing on the first SmackDown on Fox last year, he did a, a skit with Becky Lynch. Uh, like a week after or a week before she, Becky Lynch signed with his agent. Like, like, <laughs> like if he's going to do one more match, um, you know, it's very clear to me that Roman Reigns is not very long for the wrestling business. He has new teeth. He has, I think he had um, uh, hit, uh, let, uh, his man boobs sucked out. <laughs> um I think like he is preparing as well he should <laughs> for life after wrestling and has already done a movie with Dwayne and like for a zillion reasons, the rock versus Roman Reigns makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the part of me that's like, well, the rock did come back and put John Cena over and after beating him. True. True. I don't. I still think that he did that for altruistic reasons. Like maybe he came back to wrestling because he wanted to sell action movies. But I think that putting John Cena over in the end was altruistic. He did. He did the right thing, right? That that's an old. He did the old school thing. Right. He he put he put the new guy who at that point was not anywhere resembling the new guy over on <laughs> on his way out, quote-unquote. Right, right. And it's not like... I think Cena is doing a production now, like, seven years later with The Rock's production company, but it's not like, you know, they were going to work together ever, you know, again. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, so all this to say... It seems like they're building something to Rome, with Roman and The Rock. It makes sense, and they might or might not do it, and they might not, might or might not know whether or not they're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's sort of the fun part because obviously you have, I would imagine you have your failsafe in place. You 
could always go to a Daniel Bryan or a, I don't know, Jeff Hardy or somebody like you don't, it doesn't have, if you can, you can find other big names or edge. I don't know. Like you can put them with anybody if you can't get Dwayne, but yeah, it would seem based on the language and the very deliberate way that they have been uh, pushing the, the tribal chief stuff that would, that would certainly uh, seem to me to signal that they want, (laughs) they want Dwayne. I don't know if they know whether or not they've got him yet or not though. Right. Uh, Hey, we're getting Sasha Banks and Bailey on, on TV this week (laughs) on SmackDown. Oh, Oh, that's, that's fun. Yeah, right before Hell in a Cell. So they'll probably do no finish. And then I would hope that match is going to be in a cell. They made me wait. <laughs> they made me wait five years to properly do it. Like they've done it a couple times on TV and in like throwaways. But to properly do this feud, they made me wait five years. <laughs> I I think what would be funny, and which is, of course, what I'm rooting for is the funniest option. Right. Would be they do like a count out finish and then uh, Sasha demands a strap match <laughs> and then they do a match and it's the four corners strap match it's not even like Ugh. you know each other with the strap it's whoever touches four posts wins I think that would be the funniest I'm just trying to think of the lamest stipulation they could give it when when they are probably wrestling on a hell in a cell show I, th- I think the WWE four corners match would be would be the worst <laughs> but no, i mean that i mean that seems tailor-made for it right it's like five years in the making and yeah. bailey gave her this heinous brutal beat down like two times and then sasha came back wanting revenge so like it seems like it's it's made that's like actually a match you could i could see them putting in a cell even if they weren't just it's October. It's time to do a cell match, you know? Right. Yeah, you would think. You would think, but I, you, you just never know. The rest of WWE, main roster at least, has been, as we kind of alluded to, repetitive booking. Uh, I don't know how much of this is pandemic-related or not, but a lot of, uh, you know, Apollo Crews has only wrestled people from the Hurt Business since for his last 15 straight matches or whatever the, the number is. Yeah, it's like since but, June or something. Yeah. Um, uh, Angel Garza um, and Andrade have been wrestling the Street Profits for six months or seven months. Oscar's <laughs> um, wrestling Zelina Vega for some reason. Um, not a whole lot of good stuff on the main roster right now, which is why I'm glad we got to spend uh, eight minutes rambling about uh, The Rock and Roman Reigns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're trying some stuff. They're, there's a draft coming up, but Ugh. also people just get traded all the time or just show up on the other shows. So what does a draft really mean? But right. uh, also, Raw Underground has seemingly uh, ceased uh, after... But- Best news ever. Yeah, Best news I, ever. Just thinking about that big dummy Shane. He was just so happy to get back on TV. He just do anything for dad. And yeah. Yep. After four four weeks, it seems it seems the the finale of it was Braun Strowman went there and beat everyone up, and then <laughs> he decided to fight Keith Lee in the regular wrestling ring now. Yeah. And so 
Yeah, that's it. And now the extras that were in Raw Underground are getting beaten in track and field meets by Bianca Belair. So. Right, right. Do we really need a bunch more? Can we just put Bianca Belair on TV and let her be Bianca Belair? Like, I don't hate these vignettes. I think they're really good, actually. But can we just, like, what are we waiting for? Because we maybe have done these when uh, six months ago when she debuted on the main roster. Instead of debuting her, uh, having her be in the Street Profits corner for like three weeks and then never being on television again. Yes. Yes. Yeah, amazing. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor apparently had a great match at NXT TakeOver. I haven't seen it yet. I read that Finn broke his jaw in two places, uh, so that sucks for him. Uh, but uh, did you see TakeOver? What did you think of it? I saw some of it. Uh, yeah, it was a... Uh, 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 I liked that main event a lot. I'm Much as I am a fan of Uncle John Gargano and, and the Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa school of... Uh, you know, 70,000 near falls and ref bumps, and, and we go 55 minutes every time, no matter what. Uh, the Shawn Michaels school, if you will. Um, <laughs> uh, they worked a Bret Hart main event. Like, they, they worked a completely different style main event than what the NXT main events have been for, like, the last five years. And... Again, not saying one is better or worse than the other, but it was refreshing. They worked it around body parts. They did a lot of holds because Kyle is an MMA guy, and there's a lot of like selling of his ribs and Finn's knee and arm and and everything. And it's like it's one of those things where like I never once believed Kyle O'Reilly was going to win the belt, but it was still a very good match. They told a good story. Kind of reminded me of like Brett and One Two Three Kid or something, where it's like, well, you don't really believe that the the challengers has a chance here, but they did enough where it still felt like a good competitive match. And then the end of the show was uh, Ridge Holland, a tall man. That's yeah. all I know about him. Uh, apparently having laid out Adam Cole. And then tonight on NXT, uh, Ridge Holland appeared to have broken his ankle. So that brand is cursed. Here's, here's what I know about Ridge Holland. Um, they're very high on him. Mm-hmm. He he almost broke Johnny Gargano's neck a few months ago, or mm-hmm. a couple months ago on, on NXT TV, and then tonight he destroyed his knee or his ankle, whatever his leg. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, look, I look, I don't want to speculate, but perhaps uh, God is punishing uh, NXT <laughs> because Triple H refuses to fire all of the sex pests. Just a thought, alleged sex pests, of course. And this is all alleged, but um, no, I don't know. Like this, the NXT shows continue to be fine from what I see, but nothing <laughs> makes me want to watch them, especially not when Austin Theory and Velveteen Dream are all over these shows every week. Like it doesn't. And Dexter Loomis is back now, which is even worse in some way. It's not. I take that back, but it's it's bad in a different way. And yeah, so there's. Right. They're doing some stuff. It's not bad, but it's not particularly must-see either, and that's why we spend about two minutes talking about NXT every time we do a show. Right. Dexter Loomis just looks like a sex pest or like a guy who definitely has a foot fetish or something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there's no actual like evidence or allegations of him like 
sending photos of his genitals to minors like there are with several people under contract to WWE. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, Je- the former Jack Gallagher posted uh, the classic notes app apology uh, this week in his uh, attempt to return to social media. Oh boy. And uh, he noted that when the allegation was made against him, he contacted the company and said, well, I was definitely there the night this thing happened and I don't remember what happened and they fired him. And so a light bulb went off in my head that the difference between those that were fired and then people like Jordan Devlin and Matt Riddle and the Velveteen Dream is that they said, nah, and Triple H said, good enough for me, pal. And that was <laughs> the end of it. Old Sherlock Helmsley, really. Uh, that was the extent of his of his big investigation was, did you do it? Nope. All right. <laughs> it's really disconcerting. It's really disconcerting. In fact, I used to look forward to watching NXT every week. I have not watched since the Sasha Banks vs. Ryan match on in July or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it's just I I can't separate uh, what I know from what I'm watching. Yeah, it's it's getting harder and harder to do that in almost all areas of entertainment. But yeah, it's like we we do a wrestling podcast. You, your full-time job is is covering other, you know, non-WWE wrestling, but WWE is still the biggest game in town, so it feels like we should watch it, pay attention to it. Right. But yes, it is it is hard to watch NXT or care about NXT week in and week out when the Velveteen Dream and Austin Theory and people like that are just on the show. Yeah. All right, uh, I gotta go walk the dog. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Yes, the only other thing to mention is uh, New Japan's president uh, fi- getting fired or leaving, and then Hiroshi Tanahashi showing up on AEW the same week. Seems uh, seems like probably not a coincidence, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll file that one under we'll see. But it felt like it was important to at least mention it before we uh, before we got out of here. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Ember Moon and, Tim- and uh, Tony Storm are coming back to NXT. Um, uh, I have very different uh, spiritual experiences every time I <laughs> I see Tony Storm or I hear Ember Moon's uh, entrance uh, theme. <laughs> bang bang! What? All right. All right. Well, that's it, everybody. Until next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Uh, we'll, we'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Adios. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. Uh, there was a fly on Mike Pence's head that was just sitting there for like five <laughs> minutes. I thought that was funny. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, cool. I, I thought the presidential debate was uh, bad. I, I don't... <laughs>
I, I can't see that being something that would convince anyone. First of all, people that are the, <laughs> the what has to be a minuscule amount of people who are likely to vote but have not yet decided and are likely to vote for one of the two major party candidates but has yet to decide. Yeah. What is that like people? Yeah. Like yet we treat it like it's this this, you know, that and uh, conservatives that don't like Trump are like the two most overserved uh, <laughs> demographics in all of news media. Sure. Um, but if we're if we're arguing that a debate is supposed to make help people decide, well, that didn't do anything because it was just it was it was nothing. It was nothing substantive. Also, why why say that there's like limits to how long people are going to talk if you just let them talk? Like why why are we not cutting mics? Why are we not doing this stuff? Like yeah, like yeah, when, and, the, and the moderators always like, well, you're you know, the both parties agreed to these. Well, make make a provision where when your time is up, your mic goes off, and and you can request an extra thirty seconds or whatever, and the moder- moderator can grant it at their discretion. Uh, otherwise, your mic goes off when your time is up. That seems like that would be helpful to everyone, but. I, I don't know. Maybe that's not the point. <laughs> maybe it's not the point to be helpful to anyone. That's well, but to me, I I watched like the last half hour of the debate, and then was just watching some of the post game, like on CNN. And the thing that struck me that has always struck me about how the media reacts to uh, Trump. And it's like, you know, I'm talking like, you know, your average run-of-the-mill center-left media. (laughs) The thing they hate most about him is that he's mean. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Right? It's, he's he's mean and he's ill-mannered. Yes. And, and... Really, that's what they hate the most about him. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, that's that's what that's what never Trump conservatives hate about him, and it's what most liberals hate about him. It's not, you know, it's not the children getting separated at right. the border. Right. It's not him openly talking about how he wants his supporters to go to the polls and right. make sure, quote, nothing's going on. Like, it's right. not him openly asking. <laughs> nut jobs with guns to go stalk out pol- polling places right. or his refusal to disavow white supremacists. It's really just right. that he's mean right. and loud. And in actuality, not only is that the least threatening or damaging thing about him, it's like objectively the most entertaining. Oh, without a doubt. Like it's, 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 it's probably <laughs> his complete disdain for, everyone is like if yes that's one of his better qualities like as as far as how he treats the media and how you know his refusal to play the game with you know there's a reason that he walked into a you know into you know captain of the debate team ted cruz primary and mopped (laughs) the floor with him and jeb bush and all these other people who have been in politics for 20 years it's because they're all dorky little nerds who who think like there were rules to this stuff. And he just went up there and said, you know, I'll build, I'll kill the people you want me to, that you don't like. Right. 
right. Here's the other thing too. Here is like I I think I think Sleepy Joe is gonna win. Um, I mean, obviously he's obviously the much 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 less evil of two evils. Sure. But uh, I hope he wins. Um, but to me, just like if you if they had nominated specifically bernie like anybody that could go toe-to-toe with with you know like uh, a soundboard is basically what you're debating mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not debating a human being it's like i you're you're debating the youtube comment section or something like right but anyway if they had nominated anyone with a pulse <laughs> i feel i feel like this thing would be a landslide and i'm not convinced it's going to be a landslide yeah, and, like, I think a landslide is, like, the only way that there isn't, like, violence right. on so, in some way, whether it's, you know, Trump is decla- declares victory prematurely and there's left, left demonstrations, or, or it's, you know, a Roger Stone-organized Proud Boys riot where they're trying to, you know prevent recounts like you know like right. the brooks brothers riot in 2000 right. um like the only the the most and again i don't know that there's any scenario where anyone accepts accepts the, you know anyone on that side accepts the results but i do think the best chance of that is a large overwhelming popular vote victory for biden on election night and then obviously whatever and then the mail because if it comes down to mail-in ballots and or the Supreme Court, like, he literally is just talking about every week about how he wants to jam a judge through so that they can make him president. Like, right. so it seems <laughs> it seems like maybe the only way to avoid this would be a huge, sweeping, traumatic popular vote and where it's you know, barely, if at all, in any doubt after election night, because if we're waiting a week, two weeks after to get the results, it's going to be an S show no matter what. Right. No, I, th- I think I think we're destined for some kind of uh, S show. Yeah. Uh, Joe doesn't live another four years, right? Uh, it's not looking great. It's not looking great. Like. <laughs> And, like, <laughs> so his one good moment in the debate was when Biden or when Trump went after his son and he, like, stood up for him. He yeah. talked about, like, you know, millions of people deal with addiction. He's overcome it. I'm proud of him. And I was like, right. that was that was really good. That was like a genuine human moment where, you know, he spoke honestly about his son's problems and how he's overcome them and all that. But it's like, you wish he had, like, a tenth of that gusto when he was discussing literally anything else i try to keep on keeping on 